Welcome to the very first episode of Some Assembly Required. This is Wayfleet BIC's new podcast that we're producing, and this week's episode is a very exciting one because it's our very first in our new series on the Book of James. If you want to know more or to see the service and video, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning, church family and friends that are watching today. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I'm glad you're spending the Lord's Day with us. And I'm pretty excited. We're starting a brand new series today, and uh, it's the book of James in the New Testament, and we're calling the study Journey to the Corner of Faith and Life. You know, intersections are a great way uh, to get directions, right, or to give directions. And I I came across a few funny ones that uh, I thought had humorous uh, names to them. And so let me show you a couple of pictures. Look at this first one. How would you like to meet somebody between the corner of uh, straight and crooked? Um, That that could be a little confusing. And, And look at this one. How would you like to give somebody directions? I'll meet you at the corner of Montreal and Montreal and Montreal. Can you imagine the people in that area must be getting each other's mail? I I can only imagine that. And then, I have definitely been at this place before. I bet you have too. I'll meet you at the corner of of, uh, this way and that way. Have you you ever been at that intersection in life? I think we probably have. Or here's one that maybe would come at the nick of time, and that's at the corner of Clark and Kent. You know, good old Superman, right? And then for you Garfield fans, how about meeting at the corner of Odie and Garfield? Uh, That could be kind of interesting. Well, intersections do help us give directions. And I, I want you to join me as we go to an intersection, a very important intersection. And that is we live this life of faith and life. We find ourselves at that place many, many times. And I think this study is so timely because we're living in extraordinary times. We are living where history is being made even as we watch this service today. It's in the making. And all of us need to meet up at the corner of faith and life. So we're going to study the book of James. And it's in the New Testament. And it's right after the book of Hebrews. Now, for 10 points, who wrote the book of James? And, and I've, got, I've got this multiple choice answer here for you. And you can answer on the texting there uh, in YouTube or on Facebook. But um, here, here it is. Who wrote the book of James? A, Bob, B, Peter, C, James, D, you don't have a clue. All right, for 10 points, yep, it's C, it's James. But here's something you may not know. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was, um, uh, Joseph and Mary were his mom and dad, whereas for Jesus, Joseph was a stepdad, and Mary was his mother. And um, so being a half-brother... Uh, he also, the Bible tells us in Matthew 13, 55 and 56, verses 55, 56, um, it will tell us that he had brothers and sisters. Now, here's what I want you to do. 
If you've got a Bible nearby in your living room or wherever you are, go to Matthew 13, 55 and 56. And I want you to see if you can count how many brothers and sisters that he had. And then you can write in that uh, answer on the chat part of the YouTube or the Facebook. Okay? Now, a couple of things to tell you. He was not a believer till after the resurrection. He became an early church leader in Jerusalem and evidently uh, in a very short period of time. He must have really been uh, extremely gifted and, and certainly passionate for Christ. He died a martyr's death in Jerusalem about 30 years after Jesus did. Now James has written to Jewish believers that were caught in this historical event called the Diaspora. And the Diaspora is where Caesar uh, really uh, kicked the Jews in Jerusalem, kicked them out of Jerusalem, uh, the Christians, and sent them into the Gentile world. And boy, they did this, and they spread the gospel everywhere they went. Caesar is one of the biggest reasons, humanly, that the gospel spread throughout the Gentile world. And... Um, it's pretty amazing how God can take even the worst things in life and bring great good for them. And, and that's certainly a great example of that. So the theme of James was for believers to flourish when hard times come. And, and he shares how to do that. And another theme um, is for our faith to be evident, that people can see our faith at work. We should desire to produce good works because of our faith, as an extension of our faith. So right off the top, uh, he reminds us that when you're living at the corner of faith and life, then number one, being a follower of Christ is not a pass from problems. If you look at verses two uh, through four, dear brothers and sisters, sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So um, somewhere, there's this mistaken teaching that we have out here today in uh, the church world that, that says that as believers... If you come to know Christ as your Savior, you're not going to have any more troubles in life. Problems are a thing of the past. Your woes, they'll be gone. You're going to be blessed with health and with stuff, and you're going to be happy all the time. And that sounds good, but there's only one problem with it, and that is it's false teaching. It is a lie. It sounds great, but it's not the case. And I have some people who can uh, explain that to us. The first one's Jesus. You know, he said in John 16, 33, right off the bat, he says that in this world, you will have tribulation. Uh, that's coming from the, from the mouth of Jesus to our ears. In this life, you will have tribulation, but our peace is found in Christ. You can ask Paul. You go to Acts chapter 9, and you'll see that that, um, that there's this prophet who is going to help mentor uh, Paul in the beginning days of his salvation. And, and so God says to this prophet, I have called him, Paul, I've called him to suffer many things 
in my name. I mean, that's right off the bat. The marching orders for uh, Saul, who later became known as Paul. And then there's Lazarus. Here's a guy who was raised from the dead. How exciting is that? And then the religious leaders wanted to kill him. They were persecuting him because he was giving us testimony of of Jesus raising him from the dead. So uh, you need to understand that being a follower of Christ, listen, that's no pass from trouble. That's no pass. And and we have to realize that because if you look at verse 2, we find out that when, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Wow. I mean, I just want to go, what? And we just want to go, what's he mean? What's he mean by this? How do you throw a party for being laid off work? And how do you throw a party after hearing you, you have cancer? You know, it's kind of hard to get excited about having uh, uh, more month than we do money, huh? Or, or how, do you, how do you rejoice at being able to be home together for two or three months and having to homeschool and be in there all together? And some days it's grand and other days it gets to be kind of closed in. I, I, think, of, I think of young people today uh, graduating from high school. You know, how, how do you get excited and throw a party when there's no prom, there's no graduation, the senior trip's canceled? We, we tend to take woes personally because they affect us, right? And, and James says, no, 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 look at it differently. Don't, don't look at it what it does to you personally. See that these things are opportunities for, for your faith to grow. For, for your faith muscles to be, to be exercised, to increase endurance in your life. That's what's happening when these things uh, come about. Now, us athletes, we, we understand this, right? We, we realize that muscles and strength and stamina and endurance, they, they, they don't happen by themselves, right? Example, uh, you go to lift weights, all right? Resistance training using gravity, in this case gravity is a bummer because you're, you're lifting weights against gravity and you feel the heaviness of those weights and yeah, you, you, you get maybe even sore in those muscles, but that is exactly what is building muscle, that's exactly what's producing strength to be able to lift these weights and to be able to have that kind of endurance. I think of another type of endurance. I want you to see a picture of uh, Nancy Ward. Nancy, in our church, is a marathon runner. She runs, uh, I don't know, two or three different marathons during the summer and and trains for them during the year. And, and, um, you know, she didn't just wake up one day and run a 26-mile marathon. No, man, she, she built up her endurance over years. You know, uh, she sat at home watching marathon videos. That's what did it, right? No, no, that's not what did it. It it was, there was a day that she began walking, and then she began maybe walking and running, and then pretty soon she was running shorter distances, and and then she increased the length over time, till today she is very gifted and knowledgeable and, um, and runs these marathons with great endurance. It's the same way in our faith journey. 
we're intersecting at the corner of faith and life. And we, we can gain Bible knowledge all day long. And there's nothing wrong with gaining Bible knowledge. We have Bible studies. We're doing this on Sunday mornings. You're reading your Bible. We write devotions during the week on our Facebook page. All of that's wonderful. But, but you, you do understand that gaining Bible knowledge um, is not the same as exercising our faith through the tough times that we're living in, maybe currently. Heavy, stressful circumstances that, that God uses to build up our faith and, and for us to trust in Him. The scripture says in verse 3, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. Not sinless. It means perfected. You will be perfected. You will be complete, uh, needing nothing. Now, what does that mean? It means for you and me this morning, don't let life's events scare you. Don't let them derail you're being able to enjoy life as God brings it to us. God is teaching us how to smile in the face of the wind. God is, is showing us how to keep moving forward in our life so that we're intersecting with faith in God, that, that he, he knows us, He sees us, He loves us. He's building up our trust in Him as Savior and Lord. He's developing that track record with us that we know he's faithful and we've seen him work on our behalf. And he again reminds us that at the corner of faith and life, there's a second thing. And that is, at that intersection, there will always be prayer and endurance. They go together. Look at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Uh to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. What a fascinating passage. And then he goes on to say, look at verse 7. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. The early church was full of people just like you and me. Different era, different culture, but human, human hearts, people. I think sometimes we're tempted to think, oh man, if only I could have lived in the early church days where, where Jesus ascended back to heaven and the Holy Spirit was given to the church and man, all kinds of great things were happening and there's miracles and people coming to know Christ and the church growing and folks seem to be very joyful and happy. And man, if only I could have lived in those days, it would have been simpler for me. It would have been easier to live the Christian life. Well, I think it's interesting that that may not necessarily be true. Because if you look at the theme of what James is teaching in the whole book, He's dealing with the following. He, how to endure tough situations in life. They were going through a very tough persecution by the government, by Caesar. Uh, uh, he spoke to them about dealing with a lack of prayer in their life. Um, he talked to them about that their walk and their talk 
were not in sync with each other. Um, he, he had to get on to them about partiality of one group uh, of one kind of people over another group or a kind of people and that there was um, some, some partiality going on there that was given to people and, and he had to deal with slander and a critical tongue and a critical spirit. Uh, living only for today was another theme that he had to talk about in the book of James and, and much more. So you see, uh, um, these were the things that he was dealing with then. Are not these the same kind of deals that we, that we have to take concern of in the church today? So, we, we have to spiritually grow past these things that I just mentioned to you. Um, and it begins with learning how to pray. Think about that for a second. It begins with learning how to pray. Warren Wearsby, a great Bible teacher who's now in heaven, he used to say that the number one problem in the church is spiritual immaturity. Now, if he's correct that the number one problem is spiritual immaturity, then it would stand to reason that the number one answer for the church today is spiritual growth. And James gives us a plan for spiritual growth. Look at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, it'll be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. Being a boat owner and being out on Lake Erie, there's been two or three occasions in the last four years where we have found ourselves being um, in, the, in the waves of the, of the lake and being driven and tossed by the wind. And, and it can happen. It can be smooth lake, and all of a sudden, within 10 minutes, you can have three-foot, four-foot seas, and you're really laboring to get over each wave, and, and the wind's blowing, and it, and it moves the boat. and It can be a, a little disconcerting, right? And the biggest prayer request that God wants us to ask for is that he's asking us to come by faith don't be driven by doubt and winds of, uh, of this culture, but come believing that God can answer prayer. And the biggest prayer request is wisdom. The capacity to understand and as a result to act wisely. Um, I would say that this is probably one of the most important prayers that as a family that you should be praying for each other and praying for yourselves as a family. That God would give you wisdom in your life with him, in your life with each other. And wisdom is vital when we're, when we're walking through our problems. This is not Oprah wisdom that we're talking about. We're, we're asking for the mind and the opinion of God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Remember Galatians 6 last week? We are apprentices of Jesus. 
that, that means we study his teachings and, and then we put them into practice in our life and then we put them into action and, and we share them with other people. And apprentices, they're always reading and then practicing and perfecting the things that they're being taught by the master. And that is exactly what God's trying to do with you and me. In the book of James here, ask for wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. I need to know how to conduct myself at school or at work or with my own family or out in the culture. It's a great prayer. And see, the other thing here, it's, it's also not only asking God to, to give us wisdom. The other part of this is belief, faith. Uh, faith means, uh, in, in the original language, to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. Remember verse 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, like, like our boat on Lake Erie, like a wave of the sea, it's driven and tossed by the wind. Maybe perhaps some of you have... Uh, have felt just like that, where you, you have felt like you're tossed in the sea of life. There's so many changes and unknowns in this time that's going on with this virus, and, and it alarms us, right? And Jesus is calling us to trust him. He's calling us into, look at my track record. I am trustworthy. I can see you through this. You, you just need to rely on me. Belief that I'll bring you through the season that you're in. Yeah, it may be scary. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on that, that can be um, unsettling, but God has this. And he has this in your life. He has this in your family. Can you believe and rest in the certainty that God has you this morning? This is a test as his apprentice, and it's going to build confidence, and it's going to build those spiritual muscles and it's going to give you knowledge, and it's going to give you wisdom, and you're going to find rest in being able, being able to follow God with confidence that He is there, and that we're not holding His hand. He's holding our hand. He won't let go, and we have that confidence, and, and I don't know about tomorrow, but I know that God has me today. That means I trust Him that He'll have me tomorrow. And so we rest in today. Don't be a wave that's tossed around. You believe, then you unbelieve. You believe, you don't believe. You believe and then you doubt. No, 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 no. Just trust. Trust when you don't understand what's going on. Trust when you just, you're stressed out and you're anxious. Trust his track record of who he is. Find yourself living at the intersection of faith and life. So, avoid living with a faith that's driven and tossed in the wind. Because the Bible says in verse 7, that person must not suppose that they'll receive anything from the Lord. They're a double-minded person and unstable in all their ways. Wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And that word double-minded, it literally means in the Greek language, two souls. Now, I have found my way uh, uh, at times during this virus to sold. I'm believing God one moment and I find myself a little fearful or a little anxious in the next moment. 
uh, you're, <laughs> you're not alone. Believe me, you're not the only one sitting at home being tempted to live one moment believing and the other moment not believing. What God is saying is, look back at my word and, and, and remember the track record of I've answered prayers in your past. You can rely on me. Don't be double-minded. Don't be two-souled. Trust me. Depend on me. And, and I, I just want to urge you today that you can journey to the intersection of faith and life with Jesus Christ. He's there. He'll walk you to it. He won't get you lost. He's a great GPS. And so in closing, I, I just want to remind you that if the theme is spiritual maturity in this book, then, then we've got to begin right here. We've, we've got to begin looking at our own life to, to see where we are in our faith. So there, there's two things to think about as we close this morning. The first one are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Um, it all begins with giving our life to Christ, with resting in what he has done for us, letting him be the boss of our life, trusting him as our Savior. This is where it begins. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to put your life into his hands. Have you done that? Is that a place that you find yourself today, this morning, you're drawn to that message. It could begin today. And then spiritual maturity also begins, number two, examining our life, evaluating, are we apprentices following and living the teachings of, of Jesus, our master, or are we just religious people and our religion means nothing and can do nothing for us when there's days of uncertainty and fear and anxiousness like we're living in today. Will you examine your heart this morning? God is calling you to be a follower of Christ and as a follower, will you be his apprentice? Will you trust him as he teaches you the hard lessons? Will you trust him that he's going to see you through this as the master teacher? And will you obey him? We're going to look at that next week about obeying Christ. And I just want to encourage you today that if God is speaking to you right now on the Facebook or the YouTube, you, you can put on the text line, just pray for me. One of our pastors will see that. They're watching right now. One of our pastors will see that and connect with you. And we would love to pray with you. We would love to answer questions. We would love to help you move through life and be able to journey toward the intersection of faith and life. And it begins today. I pray that as we close this morning that God will speak to your heart that we're on a journey, that he walks beside us, and that's it, this exciting journey of meeting where faith and life collide, right at the corner, right at the intersection. That's the sweet spot that God is calling us to be with him. I hope you have a great week this week. And if we can help you, we are here uh, in any way that we can. You are loved.
Thanks again for joining us for the very first official episode of Some Assembly Required. We hope you enjoyed it and it made you think. If you want to connect more, you can check us out on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at WayneFleetBIC or at WayneFleetBIC.info for our website. We hope you have a great week. God bless.